the presentation was over, we exited almost the building, and this kind of Asian girl is kind of running um, and calling us, and she just kind of hit me and say, hey, so this this was you presenting this presentation with the um, one word of the slide? Say like, yes, yes. And she's just turning to Nazar and Ole, other kind of co-founders, and saying, have you, have you checked his presentation before he was pitching it? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, we were preparing it together. And she's like, this is the worst presentation I have ever seen. Oh my God, she actually said that to you? <laughs> she actually said that to us. She actually ran, like followed us for quite a bit to, to just <laughs> say this to us. <laughs> it was such a frustration. Hi, this is Matt Bujalski with Storyteller Interviews, startup stories and lessons from Central and Eastern Europe. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Max Gladish from Ukraine, founder and managing director of BotsCrew. BotsCrew is an enterprise platform for creating chatbots, a market expected to reach $20 billion by 2027. Max and team are focused on working with Fortune 500 companies and believe it or not, helping pharmaceutical companies bring new drugs to market. Listen in to Max's fascinating story and learn how he managed the bumps along the way. Good morning, Max. How are you doing today? Doing really good. Good morning to you and happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. Listen, I want to thank you for making the time to have this, uh, have your episode of, uh, of the podcast with me. Um, really quick, before we get started... Can you just do a short introduction, you know, tell us who you are at, and tell us what uh, company you run. Give us a little bit of background. Sure, sure. So my name is Max and I'm one of the co-founders of the company called uh, Botscrew. And uh, pretty much Botscrew is the conversational AI platform that helps um, enterprises, these bigger companies, uh, to build chatbots, right? And the idea is that uh, we provide them with our services in order to make sure that the chatbots or conversational AI that we built for them is actually getting um, to the point where it brings the value. So we try to build this chatbot to improve, first of all, the customer experience. So people are not, um, I'll say, uh, waiting too much to get their reply to their questions, but have this high quality personalized answers to their questions at any time of the day. So that's pretty much our goal. And is most of your team based in Ukraine? Yeah, so the majority, absolute majority of our team is in Ukraine. This is also where I and all of the founders are coming from. Uh, we have some people as well in Canada and the US, but absolute majority is in Ukraine, correct? Where in Ukraine? In the famous city called Lviv. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's Western Ukraine, which is the cultural uh, kind of uh, capital of Ukraine. So you're definitely invited to visit someday. Um, but overall, I, actually, it's on my list. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I'll, I'll um, for sure show you the best borscht, Ukrainian borscht that you'll ever try. <laughs> <laughs> but after the COVID hit, actually, and before that, we are pretty, I'd say, not only in uh, Lviv, but around the Ukraine and actually in Poland as well. We have um, some uh, team members already because okay. since everyone is working online yeah. these days, and we yeah. see good potential. Cool. Well, listen, I want to I want to jump right into your story. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I know that that starts for you kind of in college when you first started cutting your teeth on real life projects, right? Mm -hmm. Can can you tell me? Um, so, w what school were you going to? What university? University. The name of the university is the National University of Ivan Franko uh, in Lviv, in, right? So that's in, in Lviv, yeah. Lviv, yeah. And so you department. went to study computer science, right? Exactly, exactly. So I think since my kind of childhood, I was in the computers. Uh, I was playing too much uh, computer games, I think. Uh, and as well, I was into math. My father was into math. He was a math teacher in the past. Uh, so this was kind of my interests. And I decided, hey, I wanted to do computer science. This sounds fun. I'd like to do some computer games. And at some point, I think I will build a computer game and I'll sell it for millions of dollars and I'll be a really, really <laughs> successful guy. That was nice. my intention <laughs> to go and enter computer science. So what did college actually look like once you or university when you started? Not like I imagined, that's for sure. So I was really excited to start. But uh, yeah. at that point in Ukraine, uh, the, the way our educational system worked was more about... Uh, I'll say theory and not too many practical tasks. So hmm. I remember really precisely that our kind of one of the first uh, lessons of the programming. Uh, we were just uh, starting with C++ or C Sharp. I don't even remember, but kind of I was expecting something so cool. Like we are actually developing games as I mentioned, but all I see is this kind of text and the uh, kind of blue screen and stuff. And like what, what, what I'm doing here. And that's actually, I was sitting at that point with um, kind of this guy, his name was Nazar, and he just looked at me, I looked at him like, what what we're doing here? <laughs> we thought we will be doing game. And that's actually how I met one of the co-founders as well. Okay. Uh, what was his name? Uh, his name is Nazar. So what did you do once you kind of realized like that's not what you wanted mm -hmm. uh, out of college? Yeah, that's uh, a good question. So when I realized uh, that... There's so many things that I have to explore on my own pretty much because the university will not give that to me at least at this point. I started to look into uh, things I can do practically so I can learn and I can do something at the same time and get the real world feedback. So first, of course, I started to read some books on like, programming, how to mm -hmm. do things, etc. And I started doing some freelance work. I started with a kind of uh, simpler tasks and then uh, to the building some websites, etc. But overall, the idea was that, to be honest now, I hope that my clients are not listening to that. But um, uh, I was not uh, that good yet at that point. So what I really wanted, I, I was reading stuff and I was using that uh, right mm -hmm. away on this real life project. They were like really small projects, but still, I think I was delivering of what I promised, which was good. And I was kind of getting this real life experience of working with clients and understanding their real needs. So that's really, I think, helped me to understand how this all works. And um, actually it also helped me to understand what I do in the university better because I already had some uh, practical uh, experience. I think that um, overall that, um, that led me to understanding, first of all, that I can do things uh, on my own, I'd say, and I'm, I, I'm ready to uh, meet this real life projects, even more complex projects. And as well, I understood since I was working with uh, typically really young uh, startup type of companies uh, that I can build eventually something on my own. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea is that we, uh, I, I 
in the university, in the same university that I'm just referring to, I met um, Nazar and Ola, who are now the co-founder of Bosque as well. And they had the same kind of problem and the same vision. So we decided that we want to potentially do something together, right? And um, eventually what we started doing is we started looking into the ideas of what we can build, right? Uh, since we were all working at that point and looking for some practical experience, we understood that there are plenty of ideas that can be implemented. It's not, doesn't seem that hard, right? So we started to mm -hmm. look for these ideas of what to build together. And um, as one piece of this, um, we decided to uh, participate in this competitions called hackathons. Right. Uh, to explain what the hackathon is, I don't know if everyone understands, but pretty much uh, this is the competition when there are teams, right, that consist typically of a couple of uh, different type of uh, skilled people. And the idea, the goal of the hackathon is to solve the problem in specific industry using some technology or some real project within 24 or 48 hours. So let's say we are, the theme of the hackathon is travel industry. And the goal is to build some products for uh, travelers, right? Um, that's pretty much it. So as the team, you um, kind of come together and you have 24 hours to, first of all, generate this idea, right? Then as well, design the product and as well, build, I'll say, program the, pro the product a bit because there are also some technical uh, kind of part of the uh, uh, kind of the um partners that will check if this is the actual code that you built and it's not just the design, right? And then you also pitch this product to uh, to the audience and then they choose the winners. So we decided to participate mm -hmm. in this kind of competitions because we saw the opportunity that, hey, this will actually give us this boost. We only have 24 hours to design some idea and build it already and already hear the feedback. So this small kind of accelerator within 24, 48 hours. So we started uh, kind of to do this hackathons. What year uh, was started this? From action. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was early, very early 20, 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. So um, around that times. And um, actually when we were doing that, we decided that, um, hey, let's not, because we also love to travel not do that in Ukraine, let's go find some uh, hackathon somewhere else and let's go there and have fun and build something at the same time. So we decided to go to this hackathon in Berlin. Um, it was called, I think, uh, Travel Hackathon, that was that was the name. Uh, and while we were having a mm -hmm. car, because the flight was too expensive for us at that point, so we decided to drive all the way to Berlin, uh, three of us. And while driving, we're actually thinking about what, in general, what we can do, uh, right? And then uh, at that time, pretty kind of close to that time, Telegram, the messenger, yeah. uh, announced chatbots. And we just heard about this in some of the news because we, are, we were investigating, not investigating, but just were interested in the technology and new stuff, especially. And we like this kind of, we just heard about this concept of chatbots. We liked it and we said, we were just saying, hey, why we, don't we build a chatbot? We have never built a chatbot before. I, I, I think I have never used the chatbot before uh, at that point. Like, sounds good. Let, let it be one of the options. And then when we actually came to this, um, to, to Berlin, we decided that we are going to build the chatbot and we decided to build this, 
personal travel assistant that helps you to find things to do in the city that you're traveling to. Mm. All right. So uh, let's, let's, let's assume that you would go to some city. Let's say it's Berlin. This is your first time there. So the idea is that this will be your personal assistant. It would ask you a couple of questions that, Hey, what do you prefer nightlife or like hiking, whatever. And based on that, provide you with the recommendations of what to visit and kind of provide you with the whole experience of the city. So that was our idea. And we started actually developing our first chatbot. Um, and do you still have that first think, chatbot? Oh, sorry. Do you still have that first chatbot saved somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be somewhere. <laughs> it's, it was developed like within 24 hours. So <laughs> don't judge, but I think it's, it is somewhere there. Uh, so while kind of we split our work, uh, guys were programming, uh, mostly, um, because I was at that point a front end development, uh, kind of, I was doing front end development, mm -hmm. so not too much into the back end stuff. So I was rather a designer at the team and, uh, I was, uh, let's say pitching the idea and kind of crystallizing it of what this chatbot can do. And while doing that, I think while I was reading more about, uh, I had to read more about chatbots, mm -hmm. about their benefits, et cetera, et cetera. And while we we're designing the chatbot and actually reading about it, we kind of, kind of something clicked mm. uh, for all three of us because uh, we understood that this is the way I would prefer to communicate. And we think that at that point, this might be the kind of the future of communication mm. between the computer and our uh, kind of our us humans, because you don't have to go out there, go to the website, look for some information, set these filters, learn new website every time, scroll down, scroll up, going back, etc. Instead, what you can do is just ask, like you used to ask your, you know, your friends, etc. You can just ask what things I can do in Barcelona tonight. And that's pretty much it. You don't need to do anything else mm. and you get the response. So something just clicked and we understood, wow, this seems really, really cool. And we started doing more and more chatbots as the team, uh, going to more hackathons. And actually for this first hackathon, we took the second place and we got really good feedback um, and we decided that, hey, let's let's see how how it goes and let's see what else we can do with this. And uh, so that's how we kind of started mm -hmm. building not only our chatbot expertise, but as well our team, because we met in the university and then we started, uh, we, we all understood that we need to do some practical work. We started doing that together. Then we started doing hackathons together. So we kind of already knew each other um, pretty well. And we participated in a couple of more hackathons. And in one of the hackathons um, in Mallorca, we actually were lucky enough to uh, again build the chatbot. And this time we won. And the price was around 4,000 euros. Nice. And the idea of the chat, the idea with the chatbot was as well the personal travel assistant, but it was more about the uh, kind of experiences. So it's not about things to do in the city that are popular, but rather about some hidden gems, mm. I'll say, and hidden paths. So you have specific kind of road you have to follow in order to get this full experience. And in the end, maybe you can kind of take this again, unique picture on, of the sunset and the, at the top of this specific mountain, whatever. Oh, that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. So we were really passionate about it. We want this money. At that point, at that point, actually, while we were um, 
winning this hackathon, we already were working in real company, uh, different companies, because we also wanted to get real life experience working inside some company. Mm -hmm. So we're just um, swooping that in. And at that point, we understood that I think this is not too a big budget, 4K euros, but we think we are ready to do something with it. Um, and that's kind of where the, the story of us working separately from our clients or our company, our kind of uh, employer started. And there is a fun story actually about that. Because so we, so get, yeah. winning that money kind of give you the confidence to say, you know what, let's start doing stuff outside of our, our day-to-day -day job. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that this was one of the kind of key points because we were getting that confidence as we were doing the hackathons mm -hmm. and as we were doing the practical projects, etc. because we got this real life feedback um, and building the team. But that when we won indeed this 4K, I think that was this uh, moment of, no, this is, this is the right time. This is just the, the thing that we want to continue mm -hmm. doing on our own. So that was this moment that hit us. I remember us, kind of, it was a big money for us at that point, sure. 4K euros. And uh, we went to this fancy restaurant for the first time in our life <laughs> and spent things to, to drink some champagne or whatever, right? And uh, lobster, I remember. So you're like, wow, we spent like 80 euros for, for this whole dinner. Like, that's so much. But no, we were so lucky to decide, no, we want this. We want this. We know we can do it. That's cool. It's just the beginning. So that's where we kind of decided, let's do it. And uh, what happened is that we, at first, our goal was to uh, kind of build up from this project that we want, that won the hackathon. We already knew that we had some feedback, mm -hmm. uh, good insights. We already had some vision on it. So we decided to um, kind of start working and, uh, let's say, continue building this chatbot specifically. And, um, but of course, 4K was not enough, I would say, to, to build all of it. We did some of the additional development to it, and we decided to raise money. So we were like, imagine like students with so little You were still students experience. at the time. Yes, yes, we were still students. So you were working, you were working and going to university and looking to start your own company. Exactly, wow. exactly, exactly. So I think we were not, we like from mostly kind of, a B type of students, we became more to like B C type of students. <laughs> we're not <laughs> doing great at studying, but uh, we were kind of following our passion there. So I think that's a uh, we did the right choice. I think. Sure. <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, we started to continue building this chaplain did, and we have really little experience of working with in real company, small experience of working for for some clients, and really small experience of pitching at the hackathons and we decided to spend that money and buy the tickets uh, to kind of to find the investors. We decided, no, we need some investor. Like we watch all of these movies. We, I, I remember that I, uh, it was 2011, actually one of the good, 2012, I think. One of the good books that I recommend everyone to read was the kind of biography of um, Steve Jobs. Mm. And I was really inspired inspired by it and i remembered that hey people can raise some investments in ukraine it's it was not that popular at that point i think so it was hard for us to raise some money in ukraine we wanted to raise some money abroad mm -hmm. 
And um, what we saw was this conference called Wolf Summit. It's actually in Poland. Yeah, I've been to as it. Well. Yeah, cool. So we actually decided that, hey, it's in Warsaw. why not to... Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of the huge deal for us, the biggest conference we ever been to. We decided, yeah, let's buy this ticket. It was, I think, $300 or something like that uh, per ticket, but whatever. And uh, we already have the pitch. We'll just kind of take what we'll we have. Show up and get some pitch. money. Yes, yeah. We'll just, that was that was pretty much our thinking. That maybe like in a week or two weeks we'll get this money and we'll be good to go. But uh, we went to this conference. People were people were looking pretty serious at that conference, all wearing suits and stuff, and we were just wearing a regular uh, shirt, t-shirts. <coughs> t-shirts. Uh, investors coming to us. We were coming to investors, and then uh, we were pre- we were preparing our presentation while again. Um, driving in the bus this time, Louis Warsaw, <laughs> and we were kind of preparing this presentation. And I remember again, I was really inspired by uh, Steve Jobs at that point, and I decided I want to make slides with just one word on every slide. So we had wow. <laughs> we had the slides, so like maybe <laughs> eight eight <laughs> eight slides or like nine, and each slide just contained one word and the dot, like big word bolt. <laughs> and at the end, our team. So, <laughs> so we prepared the pitch and I was pitching. I remember that. And at the end of the presentation, like, I think it it was good. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we were just following the, uh, like already the presentation was over. We exited almost the building and this kind of Asian girl is kind of running um, and following us. And she just kind of hit me and say, Hey, so this this was you presenting this presentation with the uh, one word of the slide. Say like, yes, yes, and she's just turning to Nazar and Ola, other kind of co-founders, and saying, "Have you have you checked his presentation before he was pitching it?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we were preparing it together," and she's like, "This is the worst presentation I have ever seen." Oh my god, she actually said that to you. She actually said that to us. <laughs> she actually ran, like followed us for quite a bit to, to just <laughs> say this to us. <laughs> it was such a frustration. That it's like, <laughs> Who is this girl? Who is this woman? I I don't know. She was one of the startups, I think, as well. Sounds she like an anti fan girl. <laughs> yeah, but she was so. It was like straightforward. And we like, what did you right. say to that? <laughs> oh, thank you for your feedback. I said, yeah, pretty much. This is what I said. Like, but we were, I think, too confident. We we're like, uh, young in university, we we're winning the hackathons. Like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't uh, kind of <laughs> take it too seriously. But uh, eventually, now as I look back, it was a really good advice <laughs> uh, pitching to investors. We didn't get the investment, as you might uh, already assume. <laughs> and eventually, we decided that we still want to do chapels. We cannot find the investments. Maybe we are not that experienced yet. Uh, let's do more. Let's be more realistic. But we still have some money. We believe that chatbots will be the future, and that's how we kind of decided. Man, let's quit our jobs and let's do kind of what we love. We're we were, techno- like we're guys from the technology. We love chatbots, and we decided to do chatbots for for others, right? So created this chatbots agency which is actually how we started Botscrew. And we went, we quit our jobs. We went to 
uh, Bali Island since we are still into traveling a lot. Uh, so we wanted to concentrate on work. So we have no distractions, just three of us building our team even more, bonding even more, kind of living together and thinking only about our so new business. Let me ask you, I mean, that's kind of a big jump to say, you know, let's mm-hmm. move to Bali. You know, where did mm-hmm. that come from? What inspired that? Mm-hmm. I think that uh, overall, we were inspired by some stories like Steve Jobs working from gar- garage and building this huge company. And also we were inspired by this uh, van travelers because we are all into travel, uh, three of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point we decided that we set the goal for ourselves that we want to, um, we were inspired by this kind of people that are traveling around the world with their van. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever seen this kind yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. They, they have this home inside the van and they're kind of traveling doing really cool videos and stuff. So we were really inspired by that. Um, and we decided we want to do the same, but then we decided we want to build the company. So eventually we'll say, why not to mix this a bit, wow. right? So we are traveling somewhere, right? Into the Asia, we still have this small amounts of money so we can spend all of that on tickets pretty much uh, and start building a company, start doing freelance work since we already knew that we can do this freelance work by building chatbots. So and at this point you left, you left your comp- you left your full-time jobs, right? Exactly. Exactly. Three of us left our full-time jobs. And so nearly. what does Bali look like for you guys? Oh, Bali was a kind of huge jump for us in terms of the uh how we view the world from there actually because this was our first trip um not to europe but somewhere else okay kind of totally different culture different people different vibes at that point again it was 2016 there were not too many tourists on bali moving uh, moving to it, a different country know. can be kind of mind expanding can't can't it exactly yeah. that's exactly i think what yeah. happened because we were kind of meeting so many cool people with uh, really open, again, open-minded people who traveled to Bali, who le- left everything and started living there, just having fun, surfing. We also uh, met some digital nomads. We met people who are building companies from Bali, saying they have this kind of cool life where they can work from anywhere in the world. So indeed, that was a big inspiration mm-hmm. for us. And we were working so much. I think we were working like 12 hours a day, typically. But still, we had time and power to surf and uh, explore because I don't know where we, we, were, we were getting all of this energy, but I think it all came from the inspiration and motivation that we were getting actually from this place. Mm. So uh, eventually going to Bali have turned into a good thing and I think made us even more productive and inspired than we were if we were doing that from our home city, Lviv. Tell me, tell me this, the steps that you kind of went through when you're in Bali. Because I because you didn't you're not in Bali anymore, right? So how far did you get in your company before you decided to come back mm-hmm. to Lviv? Yeah, that's a good question. Or, so pretty much at first we we got this um, after kind of another hackathon. Uh, we got this contacts of uh, the company called Musement, and they are the startup from Italy that actually are in, in travel, and they asked us to build a similar chatbot that we built for this hackathon, build it for them. And that's pretty much how we got our first mm-hmm. line from the hackathon. Again, hackathons were really helpful for us. So we started building the chatbot on our own. 
again, guys were building it and I was looking for uh, new clients, All right, We onboarded another new client and another new client. And as we started doing that uh, and getting kind of more and more work, I remember some of the words that my ex-boss from my first company, mm -hmm. first and actually uh, kind of last company uh, that I worked in, um, I when I was quitting at the company, I mentioned him that I'm quitting not because I don't like it here. I really enjoyed working yeah. at that company. It was a pretty new company. They were kind of growing pretty fast. Um, I think I was the 20th employees, employee there, and now they're like 100. 50 people, whatever. So they're a pretty good company and great founders. And I said that I am quitting because I want to start my own business. Mm -hmm. I told about the business. We had a really good relationship. And he told me that, hey, Max, um, one advice that I want you to really remember when you're starting this, I know that you're from tech background and you can do some of the work yourself, uh, but get kind of out of programming and can delegate the programming part as soon as possible because this is the only way you can scale mm. you can scale the business and that's advice kind of stayed stayed with me and while we're getting these new clients we we saw that we have potential to grow more and we started hiring first people all right uh, it was quite interesting i was actually doing recruitment as well and uh, all of that stuff interviewing and we were still students so it was uh, wait you were still a student in what? bali yes yes how, how is that possible <laughs> um so we were studying and we uh i would say uh, we're trying to do our work uh for the university at the same time being on bali but sending this works uh somehow we were also in good relationship with our professors. We said that we're moving there for two months and we'll come back, we promise. Uh, just here- I'm kind of work. shocked by this, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, you're like, it's, I've, I've never met somebody that's like, uh, I'm gonna start a company uh, in Bali, <laughs> but I'm still gonna stay in university and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to my professors. It's all gonna be fine and work out. <laughs> and also I love van life and this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm really impressed. I mean, but it's really cool. So you, yeah. the first hires that you guys did, were you, uh, were, was that, um, were they full-time or were they part-time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first hires that we did, I remember the very first hire was our, um, peer from the university, our kind of group mate. Sure. And uh, I, I still had this, uh, work from the freelance that I was doing. And we needed money at that point. So uh, it was not related to Chabwatch, it was a website. Uh, but I know I knew that this guy is also uh, getting into building the websites. And he was kind of already mm -hmm. uh, ready for this project. So I kind of delegated this project to him. And pretty much it was not a hire, uh, official hire, but uh, first person who we delegated the work to, our um, kind of uh, friend from the university who was taking care of this website. And again, we were just uh, pretty much sharing the revenue, etc. But then uh, for the specifically for the chatbot projects, our first hire was, uh, uh, was done pretty soon as well while being, being on Bali. And I remember doing the interview online and really 
um, a bit of the uncomfortable moment was that these people that we were interviewing had sometimes more experience than we had yeah. in terms of programming in general. They were older right. than we are. Uh, so it was a bit, let's say, tricky. Uh, but we ended up uh, hiring really, really good um, first two team members, that's for sure. Uh, right? We were lucky enough to, to find them. And uh, the kind of the idea is that they not only were able to do the programming in a way, but they were also pretty good with understanding the client and the client needs. Okay. And they were able to do some of the work without our, our interventions kind of too much. So that's how we, we started to scale more. And as we were hiring, uh, I think our fifth or sixth employee already, because we also hired a person who can do recruiting uh, and HR pretty fast, and sell programmers. And we decided that, hey, it seems like we have already a couple of people in Lviv uh, that need some place to work from. They need some computers and stuff, and uh, we want to take care of them and want to kind of start building our team. So we decided that, all right, it's time for us to go so, uh, and go back. How long did you stay total in Bali? <clears throat> I think it was a total of two and a half months. Okay, so it wasn't that long of a time. Okay. So you were building yeah. your company pretty quickly. Yes, yeah. yes. So I think that one of the reasons of that is that, again, we had this uh, existing projects uh, that were kind of ongoing, and we found a couple of clients. We started finding clients on Upwork, yeah. like this place for freelancers because we already knew how to deal with it. And uh, it seems like we can do more. So that's why we um, kind of had to move mm -hmm. back to Lviv. You had to, or you wanted to? We, it was, so okay. we were kind of, we wanted to meet the team members. We wanted to have some team building sure. and kind of, because we knew that building the right team at the beginning is extremely important. Yeah in order to make the business work and we wanted to do that. So during this time, are you are you receiving any mentorship from anyone or are you guys just kind of figuring it out on your own? I No, I don't think we had any type of mentor. Um, at that point, the only like kind of, we still had these good relationships with our ex-bosses. Mm -hmm. So we could sometimes, I, I remember I was meeting with one of them just having a beer and asking about how they started, et cetera, and if they had any kind of problems. So I did have that connection. So mm -hmm. I think that helped a bit uh, to start building a company, that's for sure. Okay. So you make it back to uh, Lviv and you rent an office space, right? You're building the team yeah. out. And yeah. how does the how does the chatbot development evolve? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just to maybe a small clarification the office space was rather uh, an apartment uh, pretty close to the city center so <laughs> it's it's nice but it's definitely not uh, not the office so we were kind of really I'm, trying I'm to familiar save. with and working in that sort of environment <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's that was kind of fun it was it's not bad there's a kitchen usually <laughs> yeah we had a kitchen we had everything people could actually sleep there and some of the employees were using that since it's close to the city center, yeah. they were partying and then sleeping <laughs> at the office. So, you know, you know it. <laughs> so it was quite fun. And I think how it evolved uh, is that as we were seeing a potential of chatbots, I think 2016 and 2017, the chatbots became a bit of the hype yeah. in a way because Facebook Messenger introduced chatbots 
and uh, people were getting crazy about it. And the idea is that we had so many, let's say, opportunities, even on this Upwork uh, that we could uh, work on and that we decided to grow our team because as another interesting story that when we were, we were like really, really noobs. We never done any type of business, never done any business course whatsoever. And we were kind of doing our plan on Bali. I remember that evening we were planning, hey, what we want to do with this company and how we want to grow it. And we set kind of such an ambition type of goals for ourselves that we want in one year, we want to be like 50 people in two years, 300 people with this great product with this Fortune 400 clients, all of that. So we kind of were trying to uh, go and meet this goal. So we were hiring so many people <laughs> and trying to get any, any type of project mm -hmm. that we can uh, just to make sure that we are growing uh, fast because we were kind of, I think, I got this bias from my first employer because they were growing pretty fast. Okay. And I thought, why can't we? Uh, so we started uh, taking so many projects because there were pretty much a lot of projects. They were pretty, really small, but for us, they were enough. And then uh, what happened is sometime in 2017, uh, the industry and the kind of the media started to draft and kind of show a totally different picture around chatbots, saying chatbot thing is a hype, why chatbots do not work, why you should never build a chatbot, <laughs> this type of thing, right? it will never work. And uh, that was quite a disappointment for all of us. And we saw, actually, and we really felt how uh, kind of the amount of interest to chatbots decreased. Mm -hmm. um, and th that was kind of, a bit of the hard moment for the company. And since we hired that many people, right? We were ready to work with them, good people, but uh, there are no projects that we can work on. There is like this bad vibe around chatbot. Uh, and we saw companies that started together with us, the chatbot development agencies, also kind of just closing yeah. uh, their companies, right? Going bankrupt. So we were like, wow, what's going on here? But we decided that we want to still go. We, we believe that chatbots is the new thing. All of the media is crap, right? And eventually um, it will work. We just have to prove that chatbots are successful and can be successful and can bring results. So that's kind of where we um, even more were dedicated to uh, making kind of customer, uh, not, not only happy, but actually pursue this customer success. Mm -hmm and make sure that the customer gets the value and the, uh, let's say, the ROI from this chatbot. Mm -hmm. So he invested that amount of money and then he or she have to uh, either uh, get that money back and get some ROI or maybe raise the investment if that was a startup, et cetera, et cetera. And we still had a big part of the team uh, that was not working on any projects. And as well, we had this problem that we uh, seen our clients are having that after we deliver the chatbot to our clients so the chatbot is running and the chatbot is getting questions that uh, it could not understand sure. right or uh, the client want to ask uh, like our client want to add additional branch to the chatbot conversation to the chatbot flow add additional piece of content and every time the chatbot has the client had to go back to us and as for these small changes, it was not good 
for him because he, he had to wait and he had to pay every time for these changes. And for us, it also was not very good because we had many projects running and each of the clients were asking for these small changes. It was hard to manage all of that. So we decided, hey, we have this team. So maybe that you, not... maybe you could, maybe yeah. you can give a sentence or two in terms of what that structure, that that flow is in a chatbot. Um, uh -huh. Sure, 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 sure. So pretty much, when you think about the the chatbot, uh, you have this um, conversational flow, as we call it. So you have the first message, second message of the chatbot. Then maybe you have some branches, like. If user says this, it goes to this branch. If user wants to see prices, it goes to this branch. If user uh, wants to book a call with you, it goes. To, the yeah. user goes to this branch, right? So pretty much this branching thing, uh, we call them flows or conversational flow. Mm -hmm. Because as, if you see the, uh, typically what you can imagine the chatbot as the, the decision tree to make it really simple, right. uh, decision tree that uh, that has different branches and one of the uh, branches we call them conversational flow so what, what i mean by when i say flow changes is that let's say the chatbot was only able to provide you with the pricing and maybe some details about the product but now you want to add the flow that also helps the user to understand the status of their order yeah. right so we add additional button let's say etc etc um and it was quite hard for our clients to add this type of thing. So we decided we have this team that is not working on any project. We have this pain of our clients and let's kind of work on that. So the team started working on building this admin panel. And the idea of the admin panel was to make it easier for the client to manage the chatbot after we build it, to improve the chatbot after we build it, to review some analytics, etc. Right. We got some really, really good uh, results out of it and the feedback from our clients saying, yeah, this is very useful. At that point, actually, there were not too many chatbot builders at all in general. Yeah, well, this is 2017? Uh, yeah, it was 2017. So there were simple chatbot builders, I think like Chatfield, ManyChat, but not uh, admin panels for custom chatbots because what we are focusing on was more type of complex chatbots with natural language processing and this kind of AI uh, was involved in it and kind of complex integrations. So that's why there were not too many admin panels for this type of mm -hmm. um, chatbots. And we saw a big opportunity there. So that's how we used the team that was kind of on bench as we call it. So they didn't have projects and used the pain that our clients were sharing with us and we were seeing it to build something. Mm -hmm. And that was actually the start of our new story uh, which is actually becoming more of the product company since this admin panel eventually evolved into the full-scale platform. So this is 2017. You're you're building this admin panel and you yeah. see the opportunity to turn into a, a product company versus a services company, right? Yeah, and exactly. And how, how quickly did that transition happen? Mm -hmm. So the transition, to be honest... Uh, it's really painful because uh, <laughs> I wasn't ex yeah. expecting that answer. <laughs> you know, you're the guy yeah, who's it, studying university, starting a company, <laughs> living in Bali. You know, that should be yeah. easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was one of the biggest challenges. Oh, really? At that point. Yes, because um, again, we have never built any type of product on our own before. We didn't know what is kind of. 
this business canvas type of thing, user research and planning and market research, whatever. We're just building the product based on what we think is needed and what our client seems to have problem with, right? And uh, the problem with that was, first of all, we didn't have that much budget for yeah. the high quality product. Then when we started working on the product on our own, everyone wanted to work on our core product, not working on some projects uh, for our clients. So we had to also manage yeah. that. Um, and we had pretty much kind of, again, uh, limited timelines, budgets, and knowledge about how to build this type of things. So 2017, 2018, uh, like end, end of 2017 and 80, uh, 2018, we were working hard on building that product. Eventually, we, we, we burned quite a bit of the money. And especially, I think, at the beginning of 2018, we had real problems because uh, the industry during 2017 went down. In terms of the chatbots and the need, our spendings were still yeah. pretty high because we're building this product. We don't have any investment and we're kind of getting uh, out of cash. Uh, so that was quite a painful thing. Um, we we had to decide what we want to do. So we either, we had a couple of options, either kind of leave everything and uh, try to, again, find some money somewhere and like hope for the best, fingers crossed which is kind of really risky to do because we don't have that much cash kind of um, cash flow in general. So it had to be raising investments in like three weeks or something. And we were not that good managing our money, to be honest, in the beginning <laughs> because we were doing finances on our own. Um, as Like the second option was to leave the platform and just start getting as many products as we can inside the chatbot or outside the chatbot industry just to make some again uh, money we can invest mm-hmm. um, and like the third option was to get kind of reduce the spendings right because we actually like there were some points uh, where we had to find money uh, from kind of not from the company but from otherwise from kind of from other pockets that we had to invest into the company to keep the company alive so that was kind of a harmful lesson for us that you have to either get more money and get well prepared for this uh, platform thing uh, or you have to kind of switch back to services. So that's why this thing was really, really painful. But eventually we decided that we want to again go into it and we decided to let's do this. Let's look for as many kind of custom chatbot products that we can do. Mm-hmm. and just leave the platform as it is right now and only develop it if we have some money left. Okay. Right? Tough. So it was a tough decision. So yeah, it was a tough decision. I don't. I still don't know if this was the best decision eventually, but it helped us to stay alive, staying alive, and, <laughs> and it helped us to, uh, again, gain even more expertise in Chatbot's field. And I remember that as well, key point and thing that happened is that it was already 2018 or so when our platform was already kind of something it was a ready product but rather an mvp so not too many functions but all of them are working good and we got approached by this big fortune 500 company right so they somehow found us um found our website 
because what we were doing during this two years a lot is since we were one of the first, I'd say, on this chatbot market hype, many of the other companies died because of the hype and flat projects. We were, when you would Google for chatbot companies, we were one of the first. Mm. I think we, we are still one of the first there. And uh, we were lucky enough that this company found us, Fortune 500 company. Can you share and the name we, or no? Uh, no, unfortunately, no. <laughs> but that's a big uh, company in pharma industry. Okay. Uh, so they're pretty, pretty huge. Uh, it's like they have tens of billions of revenue. Okay. Wow. Uh, and we were like, wow, such a big company are coming to us to do something. We were pretty, let's say, um, excited, but as well stressed about it. Yeah. Because like, again, students running a business with some, to be honest, shitty product at that point. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and working from outside from the apartment. Uh, but uh, we had this call, it went pretty well, and they invited us to visit them in their uh, country to give the presentation to their management. Back then, it was normal to travel yeah. uh, to do business presentations. Um, and I remember I had to, to buy some good shirt, kind of to look great, <laughs> professional, <laughs> this type of thing, because in pharma, like when we were on this call, everyone was really uh, say um, not casual let's say so they were all wearing business casual uh, suits that, yeah this was not you know, this is, they were doing suits oh, okay wow. uh, so like uh, I, I did uh, buy some good uh, shirt and I had to go there they were not paying for this because it was kind of yeah. uh, their potential vendors were presenting this and we went there and we were lucky enough to do this presentation them, which pretty much somehow, I think just the dots connected and they really liked our platform, which was, to be honest, again, shitty product, but still they, they liked it. They liked the way that they can manage the mm -hmm. job, but they can do the small changes. It was important for them at that point. And other vendors that they were talking to did not have that at that point. So that became kind of our competitive advantage. Yeah. So we went back to Ukraine they were still thinking about what to do. And they sent us this email that now you're one of the two finalists and they want you to go back to our country <laughs> and present this again. I'm like, what? Another flight in this country, another spending place. Yeah, but it was a pretty big project. We're like, all right, let's do it. We also fixed some problems on the platform, <laughs> made it even more pretty, let's say. And that's eventually how we won this contract. It was such a kind of big news for, yeah. for us because we were trusted now by this Fortune 100 brand. And that's where I think we, we, got, we gained, first of all, more confidence. We gained more cash yeah. because the company could pay and we were able to start investing more into this product. So this is 2018? Yeah. So you built this chatbot for this Fortune 500 company. They yeah. paid you sounds like a decent amount. You're investing yeah. that in, in developing the product further. What has happened yeah. since then? Yeah, so that's a good question. So pretty much now, since we gained this, the confidence we built already, the product that actually is, is pretty good. And um, since we, we saw the success of getting the client from the inbound big client, and we saw that it seems like 
like 2017 and the beginning of 2018 was really bad for chatbots in general. But now enterprises are getting interested into it because they saw the potential with a very clear ROI. Because for enterprises, pretty much what they want to do, they want to do cost savings, right? They want to right. get rid of the manual things and automate. And we saw the opportunity, the big opportunity there because the kind of B to SMB market, like business to small business uh, market was already occupied by many kind of small chatbot builders, okay. which helps you pretty much to sign up and build a chatbot on your own with not too much of work. Uh, but enterprises, they didn't have that kind of luxury and they were typically working with uh, this huge companies, IBM, Microsoft, to build these chatbots customly for them. And of course, Microsoft and IBM were charging really, really big amounts for this chatbot that they built compared to us. Uh, and we have also this platform. So we decided to switch our focus to enterprises. So, so that's interesting for me because uh, I understand that this small, small to medium business market was getting saturated to some degree mm -hmm. with competitors. And so your decision was to go up against some of the biggest names <laughs> in that space. Yeah. And it's surprising to me, but it sounds like it's been effective. You were probably a fraction of the cost mm -hmm. with results that were comparable. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is that the market for enterprise chatbots was, of course, they had strong players, but it was not that crowdy. Okay. So you could kind of play around if, if you have some competitive advantages over this big guys, uh, then there are people that can risk because working with us for them was definitely a risk, yeah. right? But uh, can get kind of with a much lower investment can get this at, at least idea validated, sure. right? So we're doing a lot of the proof of concepts, I would say, for this company. And the idea is that since we already gained the client, uh, first client from Fortune 100, Fortune 100 company, we were kind of trying to put this everywhere we can. Yeah. That we are trusted by Fortune 100 brands, right? So we know how to work with enterprises, this kind of thing. Yeah. So we're specifically for you. So I think that marketing played pretty well because we started getting more and more interest from this bigger companies, not always from Fortune 500, but from Fortune 2000, I would say, okay. uh, but still big companies. And um, we, we continue investing more and more into our kind of inbound marketing and content that we build around how, how do enterprises build the chatbots, how to kind of reduce the risks, how to start okay. with it, how to test these ideas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and we were getting a lot of attention to this type of content. And that's how okay. we were getting our kind of lead because we were not like, honestly, our marketing and sales strategy was 95% inbound. So we did, we did not have wow. too much, uh, I think, advantage over Microsoft uh, or IBM to go and do yeah. outbound saying, hey, buy, 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 buy. And we decided to just meet the clients when they are like, researching the topic and help them to get okay. uh, some information that is valuable for them at this point. And so you, is it fair to say that that's been your strategy to this day? Yeah. That's exactly. And you've 
you've been getting more and more clients and I imagine you've been building out the platform. Yeah, exactly. So pretty much what happened is that and you did all of this without taking on any investment. Yeah, correct. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. It was. I think if we would have raised the investment, maybe we would be maybe ten times bigger now, or we would be that now. Uh, but uh, yeah. this was rather a way of bootstrap. Interesting. It's interesting what you yeah. said. Um, I'm wondering if, and I I agree with mm -hmm. you that those are probably two mm -hmm. options. But I'm wondering if you can shed a little bit of light on why you think those would be some potential outcomes mm -hmm. more so you know how how you th i'm wondering if you shed a little, little bit of light on why you think it would have been dangerous to take on mm -hmm. money yeah good question so i think that in general <clears throat> taking money uh, from outside uh, is always a good thing but as well a risk because first of all we have never worked with any type of the investor before Second of all, our company was uh, still big piece of uh, the revenue was coming from the um, service service part. So people like our clients were paying us more yeah. to do the services than for the platform. The platform was sure. really small thing. And first of all, not many investors were are into investing into the service type of companies because this is not something that scaled too fast. Right, uh, and it's rather uh, you should wait ten years to get some ROI. And service companies are rare to go uh, to IPO or whatever. Right, so yeah. that's why, first of all, the risk was that if we were trying to pursue the investments, um, it would take a lot of our time because it's not a simple task to do to find the investor and find the right investor. Yeah. So instead of yeah. working on our product and kind of getting our um, clients and our See, expertise, we, yeah. we would spend our time on trying to find the investor and eventually, most likely, this investor will not invest if we're just a service company uh, and will ask us to rapidly switch to, 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 yeah, platform. to platform, to product business. And I don't know if we're able to do that this fast. Again, it's another risk here. Because we could, like, we could raise the investment, but we would not, we would not get this big clients on board. We would not uh, have time to invest too much and understand what problems these enterprises yeah. are having while working with Chavos and why, what are their fears and what are the fears in the processes. So we would raise the investment, build so, something, but then, yeah. So you, you know, if I could summarize in my own words you were still kind of at an exploratory phase, learning the yeah. market, learning where you fit. Yeah. And if you took money at that point, it might push you in the wrong exactly, direction. Exactly. So we, we could spend okay. the money and not find our market and our fit. Eventually, we owe the money. We don't have that much, uh, let's say, uh, clients, not too much of the expertise. Yeah. And so... At that time, investment wasn't necessarily the right path yeah. because you didn't know exactly where you fit in the market exactly. and who you were. Um, have you taken any investment since? So now that's as well a good question. So as we were building this platform, we were doing the market research. We were thinking on where to fit this. We knew that kind of this is the enterprise that we are pursuing. 
we saw a big opportunity in healthcare industries in general. So pretty much what we started thinking about is how do we narrow it, our expertise down in order to kind of be not that broad of the platform, but rather specific to some industry and maybe even to some use case. Oh, wow. Because we always wanted to be, um, again, even like even more product type of company because still at that point we were doing a lot of the services. We had this platform, but still a lot of the services were there. So we're thinking, our thinking was if we can design some type of chatbot solution that is kind of almost ready to go, is enterprise ready and is solving some big problem within some specific industry, then we can kind of completely get this piece of the market and scale much faster. So we can mm-hmm. kind of have really kind of big uh, amounts of money uh, from the projects that are solving big problems. And for the clients, it would be really good because they don't have to wait until we create this chatbot for them. They already have a working solution, proven mm-hmm. uh, solution to their problem uh, within their specific industry. So that's what we were we started exploring. We found uh, two kind of main industries that we're, we want to target based on the based on their search uh, that we were doing, right? Uh, we were using uh, two main industries. Mm-hmm. We saw that they're growing at the fastest, fastest pace in terms of the chatbot um, uh, kind of interest. And we also saw that we have expertise within these industries. Mm-hmm. So this was healthcare and e-commerce. Okay. Let's, let's try and find something within that uh, industries. And this is what we started to do. Uh, and we kind of found a couple of use cases and we started repeating them and we decided that we now want someone's help to help us scale this faster. So we decided to join actually the acceleration program uh, in order to like to help us exactly accelerate that products kind of this will already sub products of our main product let's say um, in order to make this happen. And that's where we, I think, raised one our first and only investment. If it was the end of 2019. And what accelerator was that? It was actually accelerator in uh, Estonia Wise called Wise Guys, right? Startup Wise Guys, correct? Yeah, and that's how I got the contact. Yeah. <laughs> so you you joined the accelerator, and uh, what did that do for you? So accelerator, I think, um, first of all made us uh, focused much more on building a scalable product, right? And uh, reassured us that we're on the right path in terms of the switching from services to product as fast as possible. Also, what we did there, uh, kind of, we understood even more the importance of user interviews and this type of things. Mm. Uh, and we were investing a lot of time into them in order and we set the goal for ourselves to find one use case that is the that shows the most potential and is the most promising okay. in, within these two industries and eventually what we did we fought, we we were doing so many interviews uh, and people were repeating um, the same problems a lot and the problem was around it's really, really different, and it's kind of hard to imagine that we actually uh, 
are doing that now, but the problem was in clinical trials and finding patients for clinical trials. So what is clinical trial? Pretty much the idea is that the company that is trying to find cure for some disease, right? Let's say it's a pill from whatever, from the flu, let's say. Let's imagine there is no pills from the flu and now we're trying to uh, find them and uh, kind of create this type of uh, cure. So they have to first do all of the science work, create these pills, different right, right, kind right. of variations, then test it on some cells, then maybe on animals. And then there, there should be a moment where actually human beings has to try yeah. and test this, this pill, this, uh, this cure. And the problem is that there are kind of three stages of, uh, of uh, doing these tests with, with real humans. First one is like one to three person. Then you have like uh, 30 or like 20 uh, people study. And then it has to be like a thousand people study. So this is called the this third. Is a lot of human interaction. Yeah, yeah. So this is the third, I'd say, phase of, of clinical trials. So it already was tested by a couple of people, then another like couple of dozens of people. Uh, mm -hmm. And now we're getting into like thousands of people. And the problem yeah. was that like 30 percent of these clinical trials were failing because the companies could not find enough patients to um, to try this kind of cure and because they have limited timeline on how much time they have to actually um, kind of do these tests and if they do not do these tests on time then all of the work that this team did for like 10 years, typically that's the average timeline wow. to, to, yeah, to create the pill. They have to just throw it away because they don't wow. have... Sounds like a pretty expensive problem. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is really expensive problem. It's a really big problem. And again, it, it inspired us because it is something that can help the world quite a bit. Right. We're having right. more cures to more diseases. And we were like kind of so inspired by it. We knew that... It, not, it might not be just chatbots that can uh, solve this, and that can be the whole kind of new type of thing. Uh, but we decided that we can try to solve it with the chatbot. And actually, right now, we are having a really, really uh, good results since all of the time and money that we invested into exploring the use case and creating kind of our own chatbots around it. Uh, we already mm -hmm. returned the investment of like, 5x i think uh, so we successfully um kind of achieved uh, the goals of, of this potential idea now that was kind of what we did during the accelerator is to find that use case and try yeah. and scale this so that that accelerator was 2019 right yeah end of 2019 and so, so catch us up to today yeah <laughs> sure so real quick 2020 uh was a pretty good year for us since we were um Already, we already knew what we are pursuing, what will be the use case, and we actually 2020 was the we were starting the year of scale, I'd say, and now 2021 is what we are doing right now uh, to to scale these existing use cases. So 2020 was more about uh, since we already are pretty, I'd say, famous, I'd say, in the market of the chatbots, we're getting a lot of the inbound traffic for yeah. new projects. Typically, we are now only focusing on big projects with big clients long term. Uh, that's how we kind of can get can get this cash flow yeah right 
uh, we're still pretty good, I'd say, at that. Um, and uh, our the, the most important is that our customers are getting really huge, I'd say, success in a way in terms of their ROI. And we are really confident then that if some company, a uh, big company will come to us and want to build a chatbot that can bring their ROI, we know exactly what to do, right? So we know how to work with this inbound traffic. And now what we're trying to do is to build the outbound channel for this use cases that we identified during their accelerator mm -hmm. and start selling them as a kind of machine, let's say, uh, right? And doing them and uh, onboarding clients faster. So that's nice. pretty much where we're at right now. Very cool. And are you, are your clients mostly coming from Europe or are they coming from? The absolute majority of our clients are in uh, Western Europe, typically UK and the US. So that's kind of okay. the majority of them. So you're doing it in multiple languages? Yes, yes. So our platform, exactly, they're um, kind of specific for enterprises. Typically, there are many, many markets that this enterprises is on. So our platform supports 100 plus languages and chatbots can be multilingual. Wow. So what's the future hold for you? So the future for us is um, this year, 2021, is the year kind of uh, scale of this existing uh, use cases that we identified. And then what we really want to do is to become, uh, come to the point when if the clients come to us, he or she can get their chatbot ready and get the first ROI within kind of weeks, let's say, um, after starting, uh, after launching this product. So you would come to us as a big enterprise, we say, all right, let's set up your chatbot in a week or a day, whatever this chatbot is already set up and it's already working and it's already bringing the ROI. So that's our kind of uh, main goal. And then we want to start working on more and more enterprise use cases, becoming this, let's say, platform where enterprise can go and set up this chatbot that is compliant, that is secure, that is kind of everything they need and can solve their problem. Uh, as you can see right now for the small businesses that can do that on simple chatbot builders. And is any investment in your future or are you not interested in that? Good question. At this point, we are pretty good at uh, what we are getting and we can reinvest. The potential investment might be uh, an option for us. I think somewhere around 2022, if okay. we decide to open a kind of full time office in the States, um, this is where we need money for sure. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. So, um, wow, this has been a really great call. It's been a really interesting, um, or it's been a really good interview. Um, it's been really interesting to hear your story. It sounds like it's been a lot of fun <laughs> and a lot of learning for you. Um, so I just want to say thank you for making the time uh, to speak with me today. And um, I wish you and all of bots crew continued success so awesome thank you thank you so much it was really nice as well to have this podcast and thank you for inviting me i think just to add to this you're you're doing great thing of concentrating and trying to let's say emphasize that there's kind of strong potential and uh, kind of really strong leaders in the uh, in our region in eastern europe because I think that that can kind of speak to the world and that as well can inspire 
people within our kind of countries here to do more and think about more, not just building local businesses, but building international businesses. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to do the same myself. And I'm just inspired by your example that you're taking time to interview us and really hope my goal is to maybe inspire at least one or two people to start something. Wow. I, I really appreciate that. That uh, it's good to hear. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, this is a passion project for me and I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it. Um, and I hope that I can in some way, shape or form, uh, help push exactly what you said forward and to let the world know how cool central and Eastern European founders are and the cool things that they're doing. Uh, and, and, um, there's a lot of exciting things happening. So hopefully, um, I can have a small part in, in helping show that to the world. Yeah. So awesome. So thank you again, Max. I really enjoyed having this call with you today. Thank you so much. Me too. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to write me, send me an email at storytellerinterviews at gmail.com or find me on LinkedIn. I'm Matt Bujalski and you've been listening to Storyteller Interviews.